0: It is 6.08. Happy pre-St. Patrick's Day, although walking around downtown Minneapolis this evening, it looks like everybody got a jump on it because many of the festivities were, in fact, today. And I saw people dressed in green. I know that the parade was in St. Paul. And I saw dogs dressed in green. I saw people looking like they might have had a few merrily walking along the street in downtown Minneapolis. So happy St. Patrick's Day. And from a Murphy. So it's pretty exciting stuff. Pretty exciting stuff. All right, folks. We have a great show lined up for you tonight. Um, this should be fun. At 7.35, I'm going to be talking with Henry Lake, who is the new host of the 9 to 1 a.m. show. And originally, we were David Josephson, our producer, suggested, hey, you know something, you want to get Henry Lake because we don't know if the Gophers are going to make it. And then the Gophers had these two spectacular wins earlier this week. And then today, well, then there was today. <laughs> but it appears that they are most likely in. That's what everybody's saying. I, I listened to Eric. I listened to Steve. But Henry Lake will fill us in. And, and just what will happen? You know, where will they be in terms of the seedings? If, in fact, they do get in, do you think they're a lock here, Jonathan? Everybody seems to think so.
1: Yes. Okay, I think they are a lock to make it um, the – oh, sorry. No, there's music there.
0: Uh, I, I thought you were going to we have a little <laughs> no, swan no, no, song no, no, here no, or whatever. No, no, no. The,
1: <laughs> I forgot that the music was still going. It's a very large music bed at the beginning of your show. Um, no, the, the big thing was could they beat Penn State on Thursday? If they didn't beat Penn State on Thursday, they would have had another pretty bad loss on their resume, wouldn't have had a win that would shore up. Uh, their okay. resume, uh, the, the win over Purdue was a bonus. That assured them not, that I, not okay. just being in, but safely okay. into the field. So they should be fine. Okay. They'll have their name called tomorrow. It's just going to depend on what seed line they get and where they're going to go. They're in the realm of an 8, 9, 10 seed possibly. Uh, we'll just see where they end up and what team they will face in the first round and the second round because they're not going to face um, a big-time team in the first round. Okay. But they're going to face a team that's going to be in, this, in the same pack that they are, a team that they could easily beat and that could easily beat them. Wow.
0: Well, anyway, we'll get Henry Lake's take on this, and I've been listening to him. Sounds like a really nice guy, doing a great job. He is the new 9 to one 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. host uh, every weekday here – or weeknight, rather, on uh, News Talk 830. So it'll be fun to talk with him. Uh, Eight o'clock hour, we're going to chat with Stephen Shear about the political goings on, and as always, there is an awful lot uh, to talk about. And then in the seven o'clock, the first part of the seven o'clock hour, we're going to talk with Chris Wills of College Inside Track. He is a college consultant, so he does, you know, he helps people get into colleges and figure out which colleges are the best. No, he doesn't ask for bribes. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> Bribe coaches, but he does it. It's a legitimate business, and the reason these businesses have gotten so big is that many high schools now have got to cut back on the counseling. So that's why this this private industry of college consultants has really grown up, and we're going to talk to him about what you need to know if you have a loved one going to college and what his take is on this unbelievable cheating scandal, which is just – The more I read about it, the more angry I get having one kid in college, one kid who's kind of going through the application process. So a lot going on here. Uh, We're also going to talk this hour about doulas, uh, which is uh, somebody who helps you. It's, It's the difference between a doula and a midwife, and I'm not sure I understand exactly the nuances there, but a lot of women, a lot of families, couples are turning to doulas for the ultimate sort of childbirth experience. So we'll we'll talk with uh, Carolyn Penn. She's a midwife with Alina Health. And then coming up, we are going to talk with Chris Carosa. He is an MBA Certified Trust and Financial Advisor about this year's taxes. I just dropped mine off. And normally I know in the past years, I always knew I was going to get a refund. This year, I have no idea because I've talked to friends of mine who always get a refund. And some of them have ended up owing money. And then some of them who have traditionally owed money have gotten a refund. So I, I'm not sure, you know, what's going to happen with my taxes. I certainly hope that I am back on the refund refund track or if it's going to be less, I don't know. But uh, we'll get a, some advice there as well. So keep it here, folks. You are listening to News Talk 830. May Murphy with you until nine o'clock. It's 616, 33 degrees in the Twin Cities. Esme Murphy with you until 9 o'clock. Well, it is tax time. I felt very proud of myself. I got my taxes and my son's taxes over to the accountant. Uh, I'm married, but we file separately. My husband, he can deal with his own stuff if he needs an extension, but my stuff is in. But the one thing, as I was saying earlier, I don't know. I always get a, a refund. I've gotten a refund for years now. And I don't know what's going to happen this year because a lot of my friends that I have talked to who've gotten refund year after year after year, they say it's completely different or else they'd get like maybe a $1,000 refund and this year they got $50 or they ended up owing money. And then just the reverse, people who ordinarily owe a little bit have ended up with a surprise refund. Joining us right now to talk about taxes and what you need to know because there is, well, Just under a month left. Chris Carosa, he is an MBA and also a certified trust and financial advisor. And Chris, am I saying your name correctly? Chris Carosa, yes. All right. And am I saying your name
2: correctly, Esme?
0: Yes, you are. Absolutely. Uh, Very good. (laughs)
2: Let me start with this. Your cousin Scott is a classmate of mine. He wanted me to say hello to you.
0: Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So are you based in uh, New York?
2: I'm actually in Western New York, but I went to school with Scott, so that's how I know
0: well please say hello to scott he's he's one of my absolute favorites that's very funny um anyway chris i, I won't hold that against you <laughs> <laughs> that that's that, that's that's great Let me ask you but you 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 heard my my pitch leading in i mean i'm just i'm not a money person i'm not but i do I do like the fact that i've always sort of counted on getting that little refund. And it's kind of a nice little boost to have. And, and this year, I really don't have a clue.
2: Yep. I think that uh, a lot of people are in that situation. The people that I talked to, now remember I'm talking about setting up IRAs for children. So in many cases, I would actually advise that people take a little bit of a tax hit for their kid's IRA, pay smaller taxes now and in the end if you you'll reap much more when the child retires.
0: Oh, okay. So, so your your advice is if you have a little extra, set up an IRA for your child.
2: Right. Well, remember the child is the one who has to earn the money. Okay. Uh, and and children do it. like you said your son was paying taxes. I don't know how old he is.
0: Well, he's, he he I mean he he just turned 19, so but this is the first year he made I mean it was under $2,000. Right, but and then he also got a whole bunch of grants from his college. So suddenly we got, and I wasn't expecting that. So I was I was suddenly I got a tax statement from the college, and I'm, I was thinking, oh, uh, this is free money, and I'm kind of going, huh? You know, so, um, so I've got that. So I I brought it to the accountant because I figured he was making enough money there. But but that's a smart thought. Is it, instead of him, you know, wasting it on Chipotle, <laughs> maybe he should open an IRA.
2: Well, yeah, certainly you want to take advantage as much as possible of the effects of compounding over a long, long term. In in my book, Cradle to Retirement, uh, which talks about the child IRA, I talk about a situation where if you put in roughly $3 a week uh, from the moment your child is first born until they're 19 years old, so that's 19 years of putting in $3 a week, and then that's it. Leave it there. Don't do anything else. And you make three percent less than the average historical return, that child retires with two and a quarter million dollars. So this is how significant that compounding is. Even when, you're, when your child's in college, right. you can still do that, or high school, uh, you, you can still afford to do that. And in the case of your son, so your son is probably using his money for college expenses, which is normal Correct. Um, that doesn't mean you can't gift him that 2,000 dollars so he could start an IRA. And, it, and at this point, because he's not really paying that much in taxes, it would make sense for you to start a Roth IRA so that, that his IRA would accumulate tax-free over time.
0: Interesting. Okay. And, and I can gift that to him because you can give, I think, up to $14,000, can not you, without tax repercussions?
2: Well, it's, it, it's, uh, it's between you and your husband. You can gift, I think, $10,000 each Okay. But you, you can't put that much in an IRA. The most you can put in an IRA for 2018 is $5,500. It goes up to 6000 this year. But your son, even though he's completed his taxes, he could still set up a Roth IRA for the 2018 tax year. He can do it as long as he gets it done by April 15th.
0: Okay. Well, good, good, good to know. And as I said, maybe I'll uh, try and talk to him about not spending all the money on Chipotle and Chick-fil-A. <laughs> he is on a meal plan down there, but uh, anyway, um, very, very good advice. Let, let me ask you for families: What are you finding in terms of the new tax laws? Is it how, how are people coming out?
2: Well, it's uh, it's hit and miss. I, I live in the state of New York, so the state of New York is one of those states that kind of lost on the deal because you couldn't deduct your state income taxes if if they right. needed a certain amount. So, some people on the higher end are probably getting hit more. I just talked to somebody today who, uh, you know, about a child IRA for her, uh, encouraging her to do that. Uh, and she's getting a, an above normal return or uh, refund on her money. I think what it is, there was a combination of a couple things going on is one, the taxes went down, but I think the withholding went down too. So, people were saving yeah. money over the course of the year. The, the refund that they would normally get. At this time of year was actually giving given back to them in each paycheck, and so that's one way to think about it and again i'm I'm not necessarily
0: uh every every state is different than every person. right and and yeah Minnesota's sort of a disaster because that they didn't conform the state taxes to the federal taxes, and they're trying to do that this year, so it's it's a mess you can still deduct and it, I think people are very confused here i don't so. think
2: I don't think that's unusual I don't think no. that makes Minnesota any different than most other states. In fact, because the form is so different this year, it's shocking people, but it's one of those things where as you get used to it over time, it'll be it'll be a lot easier, I think. I mean, it's one page form. I've seen it. My kids have filled it out and you know, it's it's like bam bam bam, they're done. The, and here's really the here's really the the a more amazing thing about this new tax law. So as you know, there's a $12,000 automatic deduction Right. If you make $12,000, and this is, again, I'm, I'm turning it back to kids because that's really kind of uh, the area that I'm a little bit more expert on, is most kids, especially before college, are going to earn less than $12,000. So they can earn this money tax-free from a federal standpoint, not necessarily from a state t- uh, standpoint. Uh, and if here's a, here's a kind of really interesting thing. If the parents own a business, it's, it doesn't have to be a full-time business. It could be a side business. If the parents own the business and they hire their children, which is allowable in most cases, and they pay their children as, the, as it was a salary, those children don't have to pay payroll taxes. They don't have to pay those federal payroll taxes.
0: Really? So, and, yeah. and, and how, how is it, it, Do they have to? Is there a sort of a maximum or a minimum they, they have to make? Or if they there's go no, over that,
2: no maximum or minimum, um, and there there's going to be some circumstances that could be a little different. So you always want to talk to your accountant to make sure that it's okay. But in most cases, doesn't matter. Don't have to pay it. So think about this: parents own a business, they're making money, they want to transfer wealth to their children, so they can hire their children legitimately. The child really has to work, um, and there are different things kids could do, no matter what their age. By the way. Um, they pay their kids twelve thousand dollars. That goes to them tax free.
0: Wow was, is this is this part of a new is this part of the new law?
2: Yeah, this is part of the new law with that automatic twelve thousand dollar deduction. That's what's key here. So well, wow. you know, so here's so, so, where it gets even better. Yeah. Is that if you if you if you set up your child almost like in a in a business to, to work for you? Uh, again, you want to talk to your accountant. Where where the the child can do this, and they have their own business, so there's really no law on age limit on a child setting up a business. There are laws that says whether or not child children can enter into contracts. That's so a separate issue. But they could set up their own business if that business earns twelve thousand dollars a year. Again, they don't have to pay taxes. There's this other thing besides an IRA. It's called a solo four hundred one k. It's like a turbocharged IRA. If you are the only person in your business, you can set this up and you can put in that entire $12,000 into that solo 401k. So as kids get older, and you know, when kids yeah. are teenagers, I don't know if your son ever did this or, or he had friends that have done this, you know how kids have it, they, they know what other kids want. And so they can create these little businesses, whether it's content based on the Internet. Some of the people that I interviewed uh, for the book, these kids created, Handbags or backpacks, customized backpacks that they sold to their classmates first. Classmates really liked it. She ended up franchising these sales opportunities to other to other teenagers. So it's a business that grew, and it's it's totally amazing these kid op- entrepreneurs how much they could bring in, and they're basically solo uh, uh, sole proprietors. Wow, that, and, and they can really save a lot of money, yeah. not just for college but for right. the retirement.
0: Go, going back to your, um, your, you, th- this new provision that allows you to hire your child and, and pay your child and that the child does not have to pay t- t- uh, payroll taxes, when you say child, how old can the person be in their 20s or even 30s? Uh, uh,
2: thank you. Thank you. Very, very good question. When I say child, I'm referring to a minor child, okay. not an adult child. The rule only applies to minor children.
0: Got it. Okay. Um, and how about, um, so if, if you're over 18, that doesn't apply?
2: If you're over 18, that doesn't apply.
0: Got it. Um, in terms of uh, the tax breaks, are there any kind of because that that's a unique one. I had not heard that one before, and I think that, that's very interesting. Cause, and, and obviously, so many teenagers are looking for jobs, and we have an awful lot of people who are listening to us in, in many states uh, on the weekends who have small businesses. So that might be an, an option there, and a lot of kids are certainly looking for work. What what other uh, hidden, hidden breaks are there in the new tax code that we might not know about in terms of family planning?
2: Well, one thing is the um – Well, first of all, they're not necessarily associated with the new tax law. So some of these provisions have always existed. They've just been augmented by the new tax law. I think, just getting back to your point, because this is a really, really good point, a lot of people are not aware of this one provision that that I spoke about. A lot of parents who own businesses don't know how to take advantage of this. And here's the interesting thing. When I interviewed people for this book, I interviewed people who have set up child IRAs, both their parents and the children who are now adults. In almost all the cases, the people who have done it work in the financial services industry. And it's it's like it's a secret. It's not really a secret. It's it's uh, I don't know why they don't talk to their clients and explain just what a benefit this is. There are some. I'm, I'm actually interviewing on my... I have a website, childira.com, and I update it with more case studies. And I'm just talking to a financial services firm, I think in Tennessee and Louisiana, that does have this built into their, you know, how they're, how they're talking to their clients. But I think the, the really key thing here is, and you said it, is that the parents don't realize how to take advantage of this situation. They need to talk to their accountants. Right they need to talk to their other uh, professional service uh, advisors for their businesses and ask them how they can do this in their business.
0: All right. Well, and and I'm sure this is all in your book and the book is from cradle to retirement the child IRA. Uh, fascinating stuff because I think I think everybody's looking for an edge and as I said, some people thought they were going to get more of a break from this these new tax policy and they haven't. But yet it looks like there are avenues you can go or even take advantage of some of the older existing policies as well. Uh, but anyway, Chris Carosa, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Uh, again, your book, From Cradle to Retirement, The Child IRA, and then your website uh, is childira.com. Yes. Thank you very much, Esme. Absolutely. And please say hi to Scott. I will. Okay, take care. Bye. That's great. All right. Interesting stuff. You know, I I did not know about that. And obviously, uh, this new health care or this new tax bill is shaking out here. But that's awfully interesting because there are an awful lot of people who are listening to us right now who have small businesses. And why not hire a teenager? Why not hire your own? And they don't have to pay federal payroll taxes. I did not know that. All right, folks. uh, Coming up, we are going to talk about doula versus midwife. Uh, if, if, you, if you are going to have a baby, if you have a loved one or a friend that's going to have a baby, you probably have heard this discussion. Uh, we're going to visit with a midwife from Alina Health to talk about that. So keep it right here. Uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to give you some weather. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about making the decisions about what kind of childbirth experience you want to have. Uh, it is 631 in the Twin Cities. You are listening to News Talk 830. 33 degrees. A happy St. Patrick's Day to those of you that are celebrating today. Happy St. Patrick's Day for those of you who are celebrating tomorrow. Happy St. Patrick's Weekend. Just let's make it a weekend. It's a Murphy over here, after all. So have a great St. Patrick's Day weekend, folks. Uh, All right, we are going to talk about childbirth and the difference between having a midwife, a doula, or maybe a more traditional birth in a hospital. Uh, or else, you can have doulas and midwives in the hospital. There's so many options now, and I think a lot of people, if they're thinking about having, a, if they're having a baby, they, they look at all of these options and think, what would be the best experience for me? Car- Carlin Penwell is a midwife with Alina Health, and she is joining us right now. Carlin, thank you so much. Hi, thanks for having me. And am I saying your name correctly? You got it. Okay, it is, that that is such a pretty name. It's, it's sort of a dif- different it's, than, uh, it's not Carol, it's not Carolyn, it's Carlin, I love it's, that. It's, it's Carolyn without the O. Without yeah. the O, okay, <laughs> I, I, I have no, not heard that, and I think it's very pretty. Uh, okay, you, now you are a midwife. Right. What, what exactly is a midwife? Well, and I think you touched on it
3: a minute ago when you were saying there's so many different ways to give birth now, and that... that does make it a little more complicated for the lay person to really understand because there are different kinds of midwives. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. So I am what we call a certified nurse midwife, which means I was a registered nurse first. So a certified nurse midwife was an RN who then went to graduate school and got either a master's or a doctorate in nursing specializing in midwifery.
0: So you you have to, have to to be a certified n- nurse, nurse midwife, midwife. You actually have to have a doctorate? A masters or a doctorate. A masters yes. or a doctorate. Okay. And obviously nurses are are extremely well educated people, but that, that that is a lot of I um, mean that that's very impressive. So you are a certified nurse midwife. Yes. And but there are other types of midwives? So someone who isn't a certified nurse midwife
3: would be a certified professional midwife or a lay midwife. Someone who doesn't necessarily have the same nursing background or graduate degree, but has kind of less formal training or on-the-job kind of training, those midwives are often what you see in more of a home birth setting. A certified nurse midwife can attend births at home or in a birth center, but we're the only kind of midwife that you'll find in the hospital setting. And okay. I'm a hospital-based midwife,
0: and and that's and that's what I wanted because I think I think some people may think about like when i when I had my kids, and granted that was a long time ago now mm-hmm. um i i I guess there were a, a couple of midwife options I'm trying to think within the hospital, but the the midwives that that my friends were talking about were ones that that were involved in home births is right. that and i mean am i am I foggy here in my old age here but i i that's what I seem yeah. to remember. I also think it is highly dependent on what part of the country you live in,
3: because here in the Twin Cities, it's actually a great place to find a midwife. You're going to have at least one, if not more than one, midwife group in most of our hospitals in the Twin Cities. Okay. And there are also some freestanding birth centers. And I've lived and worked in other parts of the country where that's not the case. So it might be a little bit more unique to the Twin Cities, okay. but you can find all all three.
0: All right. And and what... what... In terms of what does a midwife do that that is different than what a, a physician and the wonderful mm-hmm. nurses that attend a, a, a physician led birth, although the mm-hmm. nurses do all the work as I remember it, <laughs> <laughs> it they, they, they did all the work. Um, but, but l- l- let me ask you what what is the difference there? Sure.
3: So the term midwife is an, from kind of old English that literally means with woman. So we are healthcare providers for women really throughout their lifespan. So it's we fall under the umbrella of advanced practice registered nurse, like like a nurse practitioner would be. So I also have clinic hours where I'll see women for prenatal care and their annual exams or birth control or postpartum exams. Really? Okay. And yes, and so I have the ability to order like, like a nurse pro-
0: medicine. So you like you're you're a nurse practitioner as well.
3: Similar, right? Similar, okay. So then I have the ability to then go to the hospital and be with my patients as they're laboring and actually facilitate them with the birth. We, you know, we like to call it catching the baby because we feel like it's the woman who's truly delivering the baby. We're mm-hmm. just there to there to catch. So we get to really be with them start to finish.
0: Wow. Okay. Now, what what is a doula?
3: So a doula is more of like the maternal support person. And you can also find different kinds of doulas. So some doulas may have more childbirth education experience and actually perform some of those childbirth education classes. Some of them might have some lactation experience and actually do some postpartum doulas where they come to your your home and help you after you have the baby with, with breastfeeding. And most of the time you think of a childbirth doula, which is the maternal support person who's there with you during labor to can be the, the woman's coach and encouragement and offer suggestions in terms of movement and position changes and breathing techniques and helping with non-pharmacologic methods of pain management. So they aren't necessarily nurses. They don't have to have a, a degree in anything, but they have more of their own certification and training. And they're there along with their the woman's Maternity provider, whether it's a midwife or physician, to really kind of be that woman's support person during labor.
0: Okay, what kinds of, of questions should people be asking I mean, when they go through this process? Mm-hmm. And, and and is is the midwife for somebody who's if you, let's say you're you're sort of in that high risk category? Mm-hmm. Should you go the midwife doula route? Or, or and let, let me ask this: Can you have a midwife and a doula? Absolutely. okay.
3: And you can have a you can have a doula and a physician, and you can have a midwife with collaborative guidelines with collaborative collaborative care from a physician, or you could have all three at some point. So it's not really an either or situation. okay. it's can, it's more of everybody could be part of the the team and collaborating together. Okay.
0: all right. This is a really important question. Can you have okay. a midwife and an epidural? <laughs> Yes. Okay.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You can't In, in the hospital setting. In
0: a hospital setting, of course, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
3: And that's one thing that I really like about being a hospital based midwife is that I can be there to support a more physiologic, unmedicated labor. But if anything starts to deviate from normal I want to be able to intervene appropriately to help prevent complications. And in the hospital setting, I have all the tools and equipment I need to be able to do that without having to transfer my patient to a different facility or to a different provider necessarily.
0: Okay. And I want to get into that because, you know, and just I know from my own experience, I had one birth that was just... Perfect. And then the other one turned into sort of an emergency situation. because, mm-hmm. And that can happen even when it's everything's normal up until then. Uh, I, I want to ask about those contingencies and, and how prepared you are in terms of your training mm-hmm. uh, and, and what people should know about that. So let's take a quick break. We're going to have more with Carlin Penwell. She is a midwife with Alina Health. All right, folks. Uh, Esme Murphy, along with Carlin Penwell, she is a midwife from Alina Health, and we're talking to her about the options that are available for people who are going to have a baby. It's, I mean, such an exciting time. It's such a, especially for the first one. It really is. It, it's such a remarkable thing, and and so transformative. And there are so many options now. As Carlin and I were talking about, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Carlin, is. Obviously, if somebody can have what appears to be a completely normal pregnancy and at the last minute when you're in the midst of childbirth, it can turn into an emergency and that actually happened to me and everything worked out perfectly. But I, I remember thinking, I am so glad I'm in a hospital Uh because it ended up being an emergency C-section and the decision was made very quickly and – you know, the f- folks were just, I was at a line, it was Ab- Abbott Northwestern, they were just, mm-hmm. I, I can't thank them enough because I've got a nice. fabulous teenage daughter now uh, to thank for it uh, or, and to thank them for. But uh, I want to ask, what happens? Are, are midwives ready for when something doesn't go right?
3: Yes. So m- a lot of my graduate education was spent learning about normal physiologic birth and the process and how to be supportive of that. But certainly we did focus a lot as well on identifying complications and being able to identify when things are starting to not be normal anymore. So that's when our physician colleagues, the obstetricians and the gynecologists that we work with are a great asset to us and our patients. They can be there quickly if we need to transition into something like surgery, which would be beyond my scope of practice, or even if we just need a consult or if we want them to kind of assess the the patient and the situation to see if we need to do anything differently, they're there to guide us with that.
0: Okay. And you're at Alina, which of course is Abbott, a whole host of hospitals. So, and and, I mean, that's where I had, (laughs) you know, both my kids and and I cannot say enough for for the nurses and the physician, it was just Mm -hmm. really a wonderful experience. But the second time it was... I remember. I remember it so distinctly. My heart just sinking because I suddenly realized they were worried about the baby, and I just, it just, you know, I can really distinctly remember my heart just stopping. I just, I, and I remember I've got to breathe. I've got to just try and, and focus on this, and everything came out perfectly. But I just remember thinking, "Thank God." I am here, mm-hmm. uh, where, where they've got absolutely the best available, and, and they are ready to do surgery because that—that's what, right. what we needed. Um, but, but so you, you're in a position where, where you, you can access that, uh, at, but that's not. And, and do you only work in hospitals? I
3: personally do. Um, you know, over ninety percent of certified nurse midwives are going to be hospital based, but you will find some in birth centers and. So I'm also in the home setting, but yes, my my group at Alina, we we work out of Abbott Northwestern. Okay, as well. well,
0: it's it's I I cannot I cannot say enough about how how great they were, and I know that they're <laughs> they're still great as well. Uh, in terms of um, going with the midwife, is it? Um, what do you think is the difference between the experience? Because as I said, you know what I just remember. Adelina at Abbott Northwestern, how wonderful the nurses were, and the doctor just kind of came marching in at the last minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that was it, and he did a great job on my first one. But what is the difference? Is the, is the midwife there more?
3: Usually, yes. You know, and remember the midwives that I work with, we were all nurses first, and so we come from that nursing philosophy of, taking care of the whole person and the holistic aspect. And we think of it more than just a birth of a baby, but a birth of a family as well. And so we want to really get to know the the woman and her partner and be as helpful as we can to, to their transition into new familyhood as well. So some of that conversation will happen prenatally and we, we try to spend more time educating women prenatally so that they're feel more prepared. We, like doulas, want to offer as much support as we can during the labor process. We may not be able to be at the bedside completely, so that's why a doula is a great addition to the team to be there to help support the woman. Um, And oftentimes physicians are there as well but everyone has a slightly different experience. But generally, yes with midwives, we try to be as supportive as possible throughout the whole labor.
0: Right. And then you're there afterwards. So you, you, you're you're there after the birth of the baby. You, you follow through.
3: Right. See that, right. that I so, wasn't aware of. Yeah. So we will we wanna give the you know, again, the new family time to transition and be a new family, but we wanna make sure that mom is safe in terms of risk of bleeding or infection after birth. We want to you know, help with breastfeeding if that's an important goal, see if we can encourage that, pro- that process to make sure everyone is fed, <laughs> help with pain management, things like that, and then try to just let you be a family. But we will check in on you the next day and try to, again, help prepare you for the postpartum period at home. And... With education and information written out and diagrams that's helpful, anything we can to
0: help you be best prepared before. That's you- the hard part <laughs> when you leave right. the hospital. And right. You, you, you got to go home as well. Well, what, what kinds of um, uh, resources are available for somebody who's kind of researching this? I mean, I, obviously, you can go to the internet. Um, mm-hmm. If you're thinking about Alina, you can obviously call Alina. But, but how, how, how many resources or what kinds of resources are out there for people?
3: I think the internet is a great place to start. The Alina Health website has all of our names and our bios and kind of our professional interests and things like that. It will also have our hospital affiliation. Unfortunately, you do need to consider how insurance plays a role in all this. And you want to make sure that your provider's in-network and the hospital's in-network and decide... Maybe is there a specific hospital you want to plan that birth, and then make sure that you're choosing a provider that has privileges at that hospital. Right, so um, most of,
0: right. Well, well, and let me ask you that: do mm-hmm. do do most insurance policies cover midwives
3: in the Twin Cities? A lot do, yes.
0: Yeah. Okay, but may, maybe not all. So you you probably need maybe to check not. on that.
3: You, you probably need to check on that. And I know in other parts of the country, midwives aren't as normal and prevalent as they are here in Minnesota.
0: Oh, really? So it's more common mm-hmm.
3: here? It, it, in my experience, yes.
0: Wow. Okay. But, yeah. but that that's something. I mean, nothing nothing's worse than thinking something is covered. when And usually right. medical facilities are pretty good at kind of going through it beforehand. So, so you're not caught just with this enormous bill, but but that's something right. that you certainly don't want is, is to, you know, go, go down one path and find out that your insurance doesn't cover it.
3: Right. And, you know, what's interesting and encouraging is I have seen some medical assistance programs start covering doula services as well. And I've even had some patients get their doula services covered through their H- being able to use their HSA funds or things like that.
0: And flex so- spending, yeah.
3: Right in flex spending, so there hopefully are going to be more options too for women who are interested in a doula, but maybe can't necessarily afford private pay out of
0: pocket. Right, and is the doula sometimes? I, I I might think that that might be less often covered by health insurance.
3: I I think it is less often, okay. and yeah, but it there is, I think we're moving in the right direction on that. Right,
0: because I there's, know I know people have enough- used doulas and and just. Uh, rave about, how, how they really help make the experience just Great. A, a wonderful one.
3: Well, there is medical literature and research out there to support the use of doulas. You're going to have, oftentimes you'll have a shorter labor, less need for pain medicine, better breastfeeding rates, things like that. So it really is in the insurance company best interest to help you use a doula so that you Will hopefully have fewer complications during your childbirth,
0: and, and that is the most important thing: is that you have right. few complications and have a healthy baby and a, have a healthy right. mom and a healthy family. We want to
3: keep right. We want to keep everyone safe first and foremost. Absolutely, and, and then right.
0: All right. Well, Car- Carlin Penwell uh Midwife with Alina Health, thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate your information and your insights into this and obviously a lot of it's kinda cool that people have all these choices now. I, I think that's it really, really neat. It
3: really is. Yeah, and it's well, cool. one area of medicine where you really have time to
0: to think and plan and choose. There you go. All right, Carlin, thank <laughs> you so much. Thank you. Good night. All right, good night. Uh interesting stuff. All right, folks. Esme Murphy with you until nine o'clock. Okay, that college cheating scandal, folks. We're going to talk with a local college consultant about what you need to know and what he thinks of the college cheating scandal coming up on News Talk 830.
3: Ah, Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact.